Good afternoon, everybody. Uneducated economist here. Thought I'd talk about the housing market crisis or the housing crisis, right? Because everybody keeps talking about how there's going to be this huge downturn in the asset values of homes and everybody who have purchased a home in the last five years were, are going to go underwater and they're going to suffer miserably and die. Um, at least that's what I hear from a lot of people out there. And I just have to laugh every time I hear this stuff because never do I ever hear them back this up with any kind of real evidence of what it is that they are looking at that gives them this belief that they're going to have, that we are all going to experience this housing market crash. Now, I'm not trying to deny that there's going to be a downturn in the housing market. I mean, it's pretty obvious that's taken place, but I'm still questioning whether or not we are going to actually see a crash of the system. Like, you know, something comparable to, say, the 08 financial crisis or something like that. Now, I don't see it happening. There was a lot of situations that were taking place back in the great financial crisis that we are just not experiencing today. And, you know, mainly a lot of that has to do with the way that home loans were being written back then. There was a lot of toxic assets that were being created back during or prior to prior to the financial crisis that led a, led into a subprime mortgage crisis. Now, that situation isn't taking place. The loans that are going out are to people who are qualified borrowers. Back in the day, you didn't even have to prove you had income or anything else like that. It was just a, like it was just a terrible situation as far as the qualifications to to get a home loan. So that's not happening now. The home loans that are being written today are higher quality loans is, is all I can say about that. Now, the other thing that's going to be coming would be coming from a huge wave of like foreclosures taking place. And a lot of people thought that there was going to be a wave of foreclosures coming from the ending of the forbearance. But we saw most of the forbearance has come to an end now. And those who didn't refinance their homes simply sold them. Like the prices of homes have gone up so much that even if they didn't make their payments during the forbearance and then couldn't reestablish payments or couldn't refinance it, they just sold their home and ended up probably walking out with money too. So there was no like wave of foreclosures coming from that particular direction. So we didn't see an inventory build from you know, people losing out on foreclosures because of their, you know, bad toxic assets that have been created with their, you know, ninja loans and stuff like that. So we didn't see the wave of foreclosures coming from that point of view. And we didn't see the incredibly huge increase of foreclosures coming from people coming off of the forbearance, right? So those were two places that we were going to see a lot coming from. It just didn't happen, right? And now what we are looking at is the home builders and the fact that they are slowing down dramatically. Now, when I say they're slowing down dramatically, that's over the last two years. If you look at housing starts and permit issuance, I'm going to leave a link down in the description for both of those. You're going to find that the last two years, that it is down. Like, you know, a pretty decent amount too. But it is much higher than it was the prior years before that, including 2019. So although we did have a big run up in new construction taking place during the pandemic, and it's dropped off dramatically since then, it's still above the 2019. Will that continue? Who knows? It probably will continue to trick, tickle, tick downward. But how far down? Who knows? We That's still going to take time. We are still above the 2019 level as it is. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So when I think about like a wave of new homes coming from the home builders, I don't see that taking place either. Now, granted, there was a lot started and there was a lot of permit issuance taking place then. The completion rate had dropped off dramatically due to the fact that we had a extended supply chain breakdown. And now what I mean by that is that we've had these extensions to the supply industry that would typically not be there. So when you're building a home, time is money. If you can build that home fast, then that's going to save you a lot of money. The longer it takes to build that home, the more it costs. So we have to think about the home builders at this point because it's expensive to build a home and whether or not they are actually going to be able to get the price for that home that they are expecting when they start. And that's the concern coming from the home builders right now because if you think about it, you're a home builder, you have this idea on how much you can sell a house for right now, but by the time you complete it in six months to a year from now, the prices of homes may drop, you could lose all your profit inside of this home because by the time you get there, it's not what you thought you were gonna be able to sell it for. You see where I'm kind of getting at? So this makes builders very nervous. Now, the only way that you can make that up is if you could lower the input costs going into building that house. Now, this is really where I think the builders are going to start getting an advantage because for the last two years, we've had this horrible supply chain breakdown, which made it very difficult to source out this material to build a home. For example, I, I was using vinyl windows for the indicator, right? So these, these vinyl windows, typically I would be able to order a window in 10 days, right? So I'd order a window 10 days later, I'd have that window here for you. Well, during the pandemic and the breakdown of the supply chain, it would take over two months, two and a half months to get a vinyl window from the time I ordered it. Now, not a big deal if you plan ahead, but if you are a builder who is normal, you know, functioning normally, right, as you go into the pandemic, not realizing that we're having the supply chain breakdown, and you get to the point where you're like typically ordering windows, you know, you're rolling trusses out and you're getting ready to do the roof, you order your windows, you find out that those windows aren't coming for another two months, you just postponed your project for two months. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money to postpone a project for two months. Even worse, something happens where you had a change to the project and you can't use those windows. Boom, you just extended it two months. 
windows break, something gets stolen, whatever, you just extended that project two months. If you do not have those windows in place, you can't side, you can't do interior work. It pretty much stops the project. And it's a, it, you can relate it a lot to the automotive industry when the chip shortage kicked in and they couldn't complete these, these cars. Same thing with the home. If you don't have those vinyl windows or at least the windows to, to install, then you can't continue on with the project. So this was a major issue that I saw taking place within the new construction market, especially in my area, is that these vinyl windows became incredibly difficult to source out. And, and that was just one component, component of a lot of different parts and pieces when it comes to building a home. So now I just ordered a window the other day, right? And I can't remember if I told you at the beginning of the video, but I do building supplies for a living. So just to make you aware of that, but I ordered a window the other day, um, yesterday, even I got the confirmation for it this morning, 20 days, 20 days from the time that I ordered it to the time I'm receiving this window, that lead time has shrunk dramatically though. The, to me, this is return to normal, something that we are really expecting to happen. And if it continues, we're going to find that these vinyl windows are no longer the issue that they once were, that if you broke the window, misordered or had a change or something that that would delay the project for another two months. That that sort of thing is no longer part of the input cost going into these new homes. So even though we see the prices of homes coming down, the input cost going into building a home is also going to start coming down as well. Uh, granted, like it's still elevated. It's it's you know some lead times are still out there a little ways, but it's coming down, and that's something to think about as far as what is going to be more profitable for the builder going into the new building season. If there is a lack of homes coming on to the market, for, I mean, from new construction, I guess is what I'm saying. If there's a lack of homes coming onto the market from new construction, the handful of builders that had decided to build during the time when everybody else decided that they weren't going to build are going to be the few people who actually have homes completed during a time when very few homes are coming onto the market, new construction homes, I should say. So there's going to be a kind of a prime opportunity right in there for builders so long as the prices don't crash. Because if they do crash, then they're going to be stuck with this house that they built for, for expensive. But as far as I can tell, the house prices aren't crashing. I mean, there is a correction and certainly some major corrections taking place in certain parts of the country, but it's not the same story across the board. There is still a, you know, high demand for homes that people are still, you know, taking out mortgages. It's not a lot granted, you know, there's, you know, I would definitely say like, you know, from what I'm reading in the mortgage market, that there is definitely some pain being felt there with the mortgage lenders and getting new mortgages issued out there for people because, you know, nobody really wants to buy a house right now and nobody really wants to refinance their house. So writing mortgages right now is very difficult for these mortgage lenders, but we're seeing the, the, the mortgage rates peaking out like they don't seem to go up any higher. We get these this news that the Federal Reserve is going to be lifting interest rates. But then the price, you know, the mortgage rates move up, but then they just kind of tick back down again. And I'm assuming that's because there's really not a lot of people out there providing the mortgage lenders out there with a signature to create these loans. And if you don't have these loans, then you're not creating mortgage-backed securities. And if you're not creating mortgage-backed securities, then the pool of mortgage-backed securities out there for investors to buy begins to shrink. 
and it's a supply and demand thing. So here you have the investors, here you have the available mortgage-backed securities, and if there's less mortgage-backed securities coming onto the market, well, then that it starts, you know, attracting the investors, you know, attention as the mortgage-backed securities, when the interest rates go up, the price goes down. And when the price goes down, the investors look at that and say, hey, that's a pretty good deal. I could use some of that fixed return, that fixed income return off of those mortgage-backed securities. And considering that most people make their house payment and it's not full of toxic assets, well, then that gives a lot of support to the mortgage market. And that's probably one of the reasons why we're not seeing those mortgage rates ticking up to the 15% like a lot of people were anticipating was going to happen once the Federal Reserve started to lift interest rates. So I don't know, like I think about like what the Federal Reserve has just done. And to me, it's a lot of credible threats, like, you know, something that they said that they were going to stop doing, but then they started doing it, right? They, they said that they were no longer going to use their forward guidance to to condition the markets to behave in a way that they would not be shocked by the Fed's move. But then the Federal Reserve says, well, we're no longer going to use this forward guidance. We're going to end the forward guidance scheme. But then they come out and they say like how they're going to lift interest rates by a half a percentage point. And the whole market just loves this idea saying, hey, the Federal Reserve pivot. Well, the Fed didn't pivot. They just went from lifting interest rates three quarters of a point to lifting it a half a point. A pivot would mean that they are reversed and they are now dropping interest rates or at least stalled out. But that's not the case. They're still in a restrictive monetary policy and it's going to continue to go into a restrictive monetary policy. So as for the Federal Reserve and the lifting of interest rates, that's going to continue going forward. There is no pivot happening here. But the support for the mortgage market, I don't think really has it's been disconnected from the Federal Reserve as the Fed continues to lift interest rates, the mortgage market is finding its support. It's a very interesting time. Like I said, if the Federal Reserve continues to lift interest rates or even keeps them elevated, we may find where the pool of mortgage-backed securities continues to deplete and the investor demand for it would still remain somewhat elevated, lending support to these interest rates at the level that they are. I mean, it could very well continue that way. Uh, as far as like the Federal Reserve and what they plan on doing going into the future, if you go and you listen to Jerome Powell and what he said the other day as far as the statement coming from the FOMC and what they're planning on doing for the future, I listened to that thing. And to be honest, it's it ties right into everything that I have been saying this whole time. Supply chain breakdown, all the other stuff that goes with it. Now, if you listen to him, listen to the way he talks about the 2% inflation. When they talk about how they are going to keep interest rates elevated for some time, right, going into the future. But listen to the way he says it, because he said it at least three times in that, and I'll leave a link down in the description for it too. But he said it at least three times in the in that little speech that he gave, that until they reach their 2% inflation over time. And he made sure to say it just like that, when they get their 2% inflation over time. And a lot of people, like I played it for my wife, and I said, what did you hear with that? And she goes, I don't know, until they get 2% and it's going to take some time. And I said, so it sounds to me like when you hear it, that this 2% will be achieved at some point in the future. And that's what they are looking for. But that's not what he said. What he said was this 2% inflation over time. Think about that. The average inflation rate. They don't say it. Like, I don't understand. Nobody talks about average inflation rate and using that as part of the strategy. But that's exactly what the, what he is saying right there. And that they are going, to, once the inflation, this is the problem. 
Once the inflation gets down to 2%, everybody's going to say, okay, the Fed's ready to pivot. The Fed's going to pivot. They've hit their 2%, but then they're not. It's going to remain either 2%, might even go below 2% inflation for a while because they're going for the average inflation rate over time. So interest rates are going to stay elevated for a significant amount of time, far beyond what we've experienced already or what anybody is anticipating because once the rates drop or once the inflation drops, the rates will stay elevated. All right. <laughs> Uneducated economist, you guys let me know. Go and check out Lumberjack Landlord video that I did with them. Um, we posted that earlier today. So go check out that video and let us know what you think in the comments. Uneducated economist, you let me know.